Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. There's something fundamental about God's uh, calling of His people to gather together to be the ecclesia, which is the Greek word used for the called out ones to come together to be the assembly of, of, God's, of God's people. And folks, I, I just want to mind you, one of the things that God is doing is, uh, through this whole thing is He's really waking the church up to realize really the value, the importance, the profound nature of His command to be face-to-faced to be physically gathered together. I'm going to just say something. I'm going to come back to this this morning as we dive in here. But uh, online church is an oxymoron. I was going to say it like this. Nothing. There's a reason why scriptures say that God sent Jesus to the world at the exact right time. There's a reason when Jesus came to the earth. Christian fellowship is always to be face-to-face, physical locale. And uh, there's a reason for that that we'll, we'll dive in onto. And online stuff's wonderful. It's supplemental like a podcast, but it can never do what the Scripture commands because Jesus promises where two or three are gathered in my name, what? He has a special sense of his presence among his people. If we do not gather, whether it's in home church, micro church, or whether it's be in bigger church, if we do not gather, right, we miss out, folks, on the presence of God. And this is something that, that one of the many things that God is, is waking up because for Americans, um, church has been optional. And the idea of understanding the power of the presence of God that our, this isn't to come to church to make myself feel good, to get what I need, but for followers of Jesus, it is to honor Him, right? And it is to enjoy Him and to trust that He's going to be true to His promise, that His manifest presence is going to be among His people, right, when we, when we gather together. So I'm going to talk more about that other other times but just take a look what's happening just as we lord show give us eyes to see let us respond appropriately right uh in these times to what is going on uh you can go back to the slide just want to just uh say thank you um and folks, remember, giving is worship. We worship, and we're going to look at Proverbs 1 this morning. It says to honor the Lord with our wealth. It's worship, right? To give of the first fruits of what we have unto Him. And uh, that's a, a, one of these true markers of our faith, of who we're really trusting. And so thank you for that. Black boxes in the back if you want to worship this morning and giving. Uh, uh, online, obviously, as well. Um, thank you for that. Next thing I want to say before we get into the, the scriptures here this morning for us is to, I want... Uh, to just, uh, we're going to attack these things again, but I just want to mention just the unity of the body gathering together in these very uncertain times of what's appropriate, what's not. I don't think anybody knows. Seems like the rules change. There's inconsistencies everywhere, uncertainty, la, 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 right? We all know that. But when God's people gather together, when we're here, we need to do our best to honor um, what's placed before us, right? So I just want to tag something for us here. What's important is that we have grace for each other. And that we honor each other, right? And so if somebody's here and you are convicted and you want to, and you're wearing your mask, is that we need to honor that and we need to keep our distance and we need to wear our mask if we're engaging them. But the flip side of that is in when it comes to worship, worshiping God and singing unto Him in Christian fellowship, there are some who believe that that is an impediment to their ability to worship God and to have fellowship with one another. And um, 
this is very important to understand, not out of rebellion, right? If I'm not wearing my mask because I'm just rebel, I just a rebel, I just don't want to, I don't like it. That doesn't suffice. That's rebellion. But if I've taken time and I can, through the word of God, before my heart, before God, understand that worship, the veil is removed, is that to worship, my conviction is I'm not going to worship him, and I cannot. It impedes my ability to fellowship. That conviction trumps every other rule, right? And uh, so I just throw that out for us to dwell, is we need to honor each other in our personal convictions on this thing, come together as a united body and have grace, right, for each other as we move forward, right, in this in these very, right, strange times. The other thing that God's doing is raising the importance of gathering what church is. He's, he's restoring uh, the, the idea, right, that we have to contemplate this is about him. He commands this because he wants to meet with us. And unfortunately, the American church has done church in the sense it's about us. It's about my comfort. It's about what I get. And that needs to be completely reoriented in the sense that we stand expecting the presence of God, his presence among us in a powerful way to engage him, right? Um, powerfully expect him to speak to us through his word and through one another, right? Um, when we're here to uh, encourage each other. So just a couple ground rules, right, along those, along those lines. Let's honor each other, right, in this, in uh, each other's. This isn't an issue of, uh, you know, trying to win a battle or, or, or get something out. We need to honor and have grace for each other in this process, right? So, um, here we go. This morning, guys, I want to dive in on this issue. How do we manage our emotions in troubling times? Whew, a million-dollar question, isn't it? Man, I just got to say to you, anybody else with me, and if you're not, please, you're going to come up and preach this morning, but anybody else, I mean, like emo- it's like every day is a roller coaster ride, isn't it? I mean, just emotions swung here and there, and, and you know, uh, I kind of been joking around, like, okay, I'm going to have just a real good day today. I'm not going to get caught up in it, you know, and, and my blood pressure just skyrocket or something, you know, and, and then I hear something else, and, you know, uh, whatever it may be, and you're just emotions, and, and folks, our emotions are absolutely key, right, to be in tune with. The scriptures we're going to see tells us to pay attention, watch over, guard, protect your heart, Right? Proverbs 4.23. It's the wellspring of life. And I asked you this morning, where's your heart? Where's your emotions during these times? How's it going? How, how are you managing your emotions through these times, these uncertain times of, man, something new news every day? And, uh, and I, 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 you know, I could give you stat ever stat. I'm not going to. Um, there's enough bad news out there. We're about good news here. Though to get the good news, you have to realize we have to understand the bad news. You understand that? Right, to understand the glory of the gospel, you've got to understand the power of sin, right? Um, but uh, folks, are, are, I don't have to, to, I won't give them the stats, but just the, what's happening in the, with the emotional state of Americans right now is unprecedented. It's unprecedented across the board. What's happening with the emotional state of people, and folks, it is time for God's people to rise up with the joy of the Lord, the boldness of the love of God, and to step into people's lives during this time and provide hope, right? Real, solid hope in these times, right? So I have three things. You miss everything else that I'm going to get off on this morning with, in Matthew 24. These are the three things I want you to take away. This answers 
um, and we're going to break down a little bit of how of each of these this morning. How do we manage our emotions in these troubling times? Scripture is pretty clear. This is about as basic but profound as it comes. We begin with um, Proverbs um, 4, uh, 23, this powerful passage that says, um, that I just said it before, is, is keep your heart with all vigilance. Watch over it, protect it, guard it, are all the words for that Hebrew word. It is the wellspring of life. And folks, let me tell you that your, our heart our, is under attack today at, at like maybe unprecedented levels, right? Um, it's under attack. And uh, so the first step here is to watch over our heart. And folks, I ask you this morning, how are you watching over your heart? And are you, are you, do you have people that you're engaging with on, on, these, on these issues? Um, man, there's some great things going. I plead with you, those of you watching online, those of you here this morning, is, man, we're rolling out microchurches uh, almost every other week. Um, some awesome gatherings of people around communion, partaking of the body and bread and encouraging one another, worshiping the Lord together, seeking Him in His Word. Um, man, we, we'd love to help get you connected. If that is something on your heart, we have discipleship groups launching um, and, and people stepping into what that is. We have this problem in America that we have sold that you can be a Christian and not be a disciple. Do you know that that's not a possibility we see in Scripture? You cannot be a Christian and not be a disciple. And so we are launching discipleship groups. I'm excited. I'd love to talk to you about that. Third thing is we've got all kinds of community groups. Kathy and, um, and the gang, they launched, uh, hopefully you saw the little video, but Regen, ladies, phenomenal opportunity to step in for some soul care this next year to encourage each other, especially as we're talking about emotions and hurts and all these other things. Uh, and many other men we meet here at Forge, Mid-Valley Forge on Fridays, ladies' studies, uh, on and on, a place for you to connect in smaller gatherings is it's a necessity. If we forsake gathering together, we will experience what Hebrews promises in 12, that we will drift. As we're going to see this morning, that you can only drift so long before you fall away. Right? And um, we want to press in and see God do something great here, right? And awaken our... Heart. So let me just go over a couple of these promises here, folks, because these are promises, and I give these to you to just hold on to this morning, and um, man, to, to watch over our heart. It begins there with Proverbs 4.23, and, and again, we, that's something, I, again, I just want to emphasize, do you have people in your life who know your heart? Do you have a context where you have people in your life who are pressing into the deep aspects of, of your heart and your life, what is happening in there? Um, it's, it, it's not something we can do alone. That, that should be clear from consistently what we see in the scripture. Our hearts are encouraged when we gather with one another. Small groups and big groups. The, the, main, the main language we have in the scripture about what worship should look like is in 1 Corinthians 14. It gives details about what Christian worship should look like. And the, pre, the, the thing that Paul keeps emphasizing is gather, see how you can build up one another. When you come together, God's presence uses people's gifts and, and the fruit of the Spirit to bring encouragement to each other, to build each other up. That's why we gather. That cannot happen online, and that cannot happen, or very minimal. And it can't happen if, if we don't gather right together. That's, that's God's context for it. The second thing is, folks, we've got to trust Jesus with our emotions, with our heart. 
And trust is a big word. Got to trust Jesus with our heart. And the question is, how do we do that? Has anybody taught you to do that? Outside of a disruptive context, it's not possible. We'll only get so far unless we have someone who helps us bring our heart fully to the scriptures, fully to the promises of God. And how do I do that? How do I take hold of this promise? So I want to read Proverbs 3, and this is familiar, but unfortunately we stop oftentimes in people's memorization. We don't go far enough on on this glorious promise. So let me just read this for us um, this morning. And folks, take this as a promise. And the only way it can be a promising experience in our lives is if if we take it by faith. In other words, we we say, Lord, I trust you with this. I pray this over my life. I'm going after it by faith, right? Listen to this, folks. I hope this bless. I know there's something in here for all of us this morning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding and especially those in the media. In all your, sorry, I said, couldn't help myself. <laughs> couldn't have, that's not in the text, just couldn't, couldn't help myself. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will sh- make your path straight. Is anybody having big decisions, confusion about the direction of your life, big decisions for life? This is a promise. It's, it's a very clear promise. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Why? Listen to the next two promises. Because it will be healing for your flesh. It will be healing for your flesh. And refreshment for your bones. That word in Hebrew means medicine. Trusting in the Lord, fearing the Lord, turning from evil, repenting, turning, learning to line up our emotions and our life with the word of God, it brings healing to your entire being. And folks, we know emotional trauma right now is, is running rampant, and you can't have emotional trauma without physical trauma. The greatest medicine you have that there is in all the universe is the grace of God. And learning to trust him and take hold of his promises by faith in our life, right? Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. What's the promise? Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will be bursting with wine. Folks, in this time of COVID, in this time of uncertainty, that's going to be real blunt for each of us. Who are we trusting? When I get my paycheck, the first check that we write says everything about my trust, everything about my heart, everything about who I'm putting my faith in for my future. Honor him with your first fruits. In other words, the, when something comes in, the first fruits is it's a worship. It's Lord, I have all I have because of what you've done for me. And it's times like this that really flesh out where our faith is. Am I trusting him? If I can't trust him with, man, everything that comes in, all of my wealth, and all that comes in, that, Lord, here it is. Here's my worship, Lord. And I rejoice because all I have is from your hand, Father. That's a promise. And what's the promise? And we don't serve God. We don't give to God because, oh, man, I'll, I'll get something back. 
right? That's not going to go real well. It's because of my heart. It's because I believe in him, right? And his promises, you're vast. I'll take care of you. Your abundance will overflow in all areas, right? Because God desires to bring abundance to his people, right? Wow, what promises? Has anybody walked alongside you to show you, to help you walk in these? I'm telling you, outside of a discipleship context, sitting in church is not going to get there. Hopefully seeds are planted and we rejoice and encourage you with the presence of God among us. But for this to flesh out in transformation in our lives, we must do what we see Jesus do with the 12. We must enter into a discipleship context and learn to follow Jesus and to live the life he desires us to live and learn how to take hold right, of these promises and see them as a reality right, inside our life. So the second, or the third one is expect and pursue the fruit of the Spirit. Expect and pursue the fruit of the Spirit of God. That's Galatians 5.22. And hopefully you know the fruit of the Spirit, right? The promise of God for those that will trust Him, put their trust in Jesus, is an outpouring of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Anybody want some of that? Man, do we need some of that? Love, joy, peace. That's his promise for his people. Right? So how do we manage our emotions in these troubling times, folks? Watch over your heart. Make sure there's people around you, close to you, who know your heart, that you're engaged in and being vulnerable right, with your heart. And be, have an avenue to be able to just be honest, bluntly honest with your emotions like, man, this is, how, this is where I'm at. And just blab it out. Remember, nothing hidden can be healed, right? Nothing hidden can be healed. Part of the, the whole healing process, transformational process is, is what? It's a revealing. Right? It's exposing my heart people who love me and who are going to lead me to the truth of God, his healing and his forgiveness and his, his uh, promises and blessing over my life. Trust Jesus with all of our heart. Folks, that's a lifetime endeavor. And I, I'm just going to drive, I'm going to continue to drive this point home. You cannot do that alone. A Christian life that tries to trust Jesus alone without a context of discipleship is, is not going to go very far, Right? You gotta use that. Okay. Test one, two. All right. Now I really feel like a preacher. Bring me a bring me a towel. You know. So. All right. Don't tempt me. All right. Um. So does that make sense, gang? Trust the Lord. That's a long. That's a lifetime journey with our heart. We need each other in a context to show us how to actually do that. And finally, folks, in the church among us here this morning, we're going to pray as we come to our ministry time this morning uh, on this last one in Galatians. We're just going to pray these over us this morning. We're going to trust that God's presence here is going to bring to us. He wants to pour those things out. He wants to pour his love out. He wants to pour his joy out among his people. He wants to pour his peace over us. Right? Colossians says, let the peace of Christ rule. In your heart. Folks, is that happening? Right? It's a promise. So, 
Now I want us to turn this morning to, um, we're going to dive in a little deeper here, folks, um, into Matthew 24. I'm going to start like a little mini-series in this whole bigger series on hope. We're going to dive into the Olivet Discourse the next few weeks. Olivet Discourse is, I'm almost willing to bet, maybe very few of you have ever heard a sermon series on the Olivet Discourse. That is tragic, because it's one of Jesus' most profound sermons that he ever gave where he responded to the disciples' question of, Jesus, when are you coming, and when is the end of the age? And Jesus gives more detail and more clarity of what to look for, what is coming, so that God's people, his church, can be ready and be hopeful and understanding the things that are happening in the world and to be able to have a right context and and to be able to live powerfully in the midst of of all those things. So let's... um, Let's dive in here if you have your Bibles. I'm going to just look at verses 1 through 14 this morning briefly. And, um, <clears throat> and remember, as we read this, how when we read these things, some of this is going to be shocking to some of you. I'm willing to bet many of you have not even heard what I'm about to read. And it is critical that we apply the things I just gave here in the midst of when we, when we look at what Jesus is saying right about the future. Okay? So here we go. Verse 1 of chapter 24 of Matthew. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. Like, Lord, look at the amazing temple. This place is beautiful. But he answered them, You see all of these? Do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Whoa. And folks, if you know history, here is just a little bit of of the hundreds and hundreds of prophecies given in the Bible that were completely fulfilled, by the way, in history. In 70 AD, Rome came in under Titus and raised, wiped out Jerusalem, fulfilling what Jesus had to say. That was just a couple decades after Jesus was crucified, right? And uh, so what's happening here is Jesus, his rhythm was he would stay with his buddy Lazarus and Mary and Martha up in Bethany and he would journey through the Mount of Olives, anybody's been there on this journey from Mount of Olives down through the Garden of Gethsemane, the Olive Groves and back up into Jerusalem and he would minister there and, uh, and teach and then at the end of the day or at some point whenever he would move back up to the, Olive, to, uh, um, to the Mount of Olives um, and he would teach there and that's where he would retreat. That whole area is where if you've had a chance to go there just to be alone in the Mount of Olives and to wander, this is where Jesus went to be alone. This is where he met intimately with his disciples. And uh, <clears throat> so he tells this, he responds that way when they're walking through the temple. They're like, wow, look at the stones. Look at, this is the temple. This is the, this is the epicenter of our Jewish faith. This is where God's presence is. This is a temple of the living God on earth. And Jesus responds with, hey guys, this place is about to come to the ground. What do you think was going on inside the... Now, I just want to give you a little context. For a Jewish mindset, that is radical. That, that is, that, that is, that, that's like their world falling apart. Everything they had thought and put their hope in as faithful Jewish men is, is like, what are you talking about, Jesus. What is your kingdom going to look like? I mean, every, they're, they're, they were, I'm willing to bet the reason they didn't come and ask my question until they got from Jerusalem all the way to the Mount of Olives is because they were talking among each other like, what the, what the is he talking about here? Um, but they do. 
And they get to the Mount of Olives, and it says, verse 3, And he sat on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Folks, if we want to manage our emotions, our emotions are so intimately connected to big, unanswered, uncertain questions. Our emotions are intimately connected to big, uncertain questions in our life that are not unan- that are uh, that we don't have an answer for, and that just wells this sense of insecurity. This wells this sense of what's going on, and and, and really makes us get what fearful rather than faithful. Um, and it's critical. What do the disciples do? They do what we need to do. We need to come to Jesus with our questions. The first thing we need to do is come to him with all of our heart. And the biggest questions that we need answered, you know what? Jesus has answered them. The question is, is are God's people spending time here listening to him and asking him to make those real and bring the fruit of the Spirit alive, really experiencing the life of God inside our soul, right? To see, and I just, I just ask you this this morning, but this needs to be fleshed out in discipleship with others intimately. I ask you this morning, can you give testimony? And, and I'm just going to, a little preview. I hope, I hope we have some testimony here in just a minute. Do you have testimony of the transformation of your emotions by the power of God to the fruit of the Spirit? Can you testify, right, to when your emotions were all caught up in your flesh, whether it be anger, depression, just go down the list of things, and have you experienced the goodness of God, the power of the Spirit to change you, to change your emotions and bring you to a place of freedom to experience the fruit of the Spirit? I hope we can hear some encouragement about that here this morning. All right, here we go. We're diving in. And Jesus answered them, seeing that no one, um, he says, see that no one leads you astray. Remember, he's getting ready to answer the question of his return and when's the end of the age, okay? See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ. And they will lead many astray, and you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Folks, I don't have time. We're going to maybe get there in this series. You go to Revelation, many other places, even the Old Testament, we see all of these things. Why, Why do we have hurricanes all right, why do we have wildfires? Why do we have tsunamis and just go down the list? Why do we have wars? Why do we have kingdoms or conflict among? It's because this is a fallen world. And I'm going to say this loud and clear this morning because the church in America doesn't have this right. Right? We are, we are on an unhealthy social justice platform Right, that is ungrounded upon the reality of what Scripture says. Don't get me wrong. We've got to be involved in social justice, but not with a worldview that says we're going to change this world and that we can, through our environmental actions, we can make it better and not fallen. We should be the best environmentalists on the planet as good stewards. Don't get me wrong. 
But I have to understand, am I biblically rooted in what the future holds? This, Romans says this, all of creation is groaning. It's waiting for redemption. This world is falling away. And there is great disillusionment if you think, right, that somehow mankind, right, is going to make it better, is going to fix our problems. Never will. Those who cry for peace, 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 right, well, how have we done on that one? Just even in our own nation, we can't even keep civil obedience in our own cities today. So we're fallen people, and we need a Savior, right? We need a Savior to come and to make things right, and God's people need to have that frame of mind so we know how to engage people, and we know where our hope is rooted, because if our hope is in this world and seeing this world itself be transformed, guess what? We're going to be disillusioned. And this is exactly what Jesus says. These are birth pains. It's all just evidence that you know what? And all those things happen when the disciples were still alive. But um, they come in cycles. And other passages we'll get to in Daniel and other places, we see as the end comes, guess what? These things increase. They will increase the birth pains. And he's using the analogy, right? Because just like in a a normal birth, right, is that what happens? The birth pains, right, they increase before the birth, right? And this is why in the whole beginning of Revelation, the seal judgments, those are the birth pains, right, that are coming together. And he says, he's just the beginning of of the birth pains. Verse 9, we're vamping it up here, folks. At some point, There's a shift that's going to take place. He says this, then, verse 9, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. You ever heard a sermon on that? You ever heard that taught? I want that to sink in, folks. That's Jesus' preaching. To the church. At some point, he, he's telling disciples, when the end's going to come, he told you, birth pains are going to happen, there's going to be more, right? This world just saying, look, we need redemption. We need some help, right? There's going to be false prophets, false Christ. We'll get into that here in just a second. But understand, at some point, but see, every one of the disciples, you know they died for their faith? They didn't die for breaking some law. They died because they professed Jesus as the Savior and King and Emperor of the world in the universe. And, but the thing is, about this statement is, it says, all nations. There will be a world global hatred of Christianity. Now, that, that wasn't the case when the disciples, it was, a very, it was a very centralized hatred of the church, Nero, the Rome, you know, and even Rome only persecuted the Christians for just short periods of time. It wasn't other nations, just Rome. But this says, when the time comes, there will be a global coming together of a hatred of God's people. So I just want to throw this out to you. Think about it. Because I, I know today, as we have many in the church who are just kind of sloughing off, everything is going on. Oh, this will, uh, you know, I need, I, we need eyes wide open, folks. Understand what is going on according to what Scripture says, right? Uh, I, I don't have time to tell you, but go do the research. What's happening in China is they right now, in this moment, there is more human atrocities and persecution of Christian churches and Christians in China than ever in the history of China. Right now. 
You can go to Iraq. I could take you to Iran. I could take you to Africa and see the only people being persecuted in Africa are the Christians, brutally, by the way, right? I could take you around the world. Where do you want to go? Uh, the Middle East, uh, uh, you know, India right now. India that was so open that we've been to and we serve in. We have people there, right? The persecution against the Christians is at a growing rate that is, is I just got a thing yesterday, a pastor being drug out in India in a close area that we've been, and he was killed, brutally beaten by uh, <clears throat> Hindu extremists. What about in our own country? Is it safe to talk about Jesus in public? Is it safe to pray in the name of Jesus? What about, what about just in our public discourse when it comes to the very roots of what made this nation great, our Constitution, and what actually built this nation? I'm just going to be very bold with you. It wasn't Buddhism. It wasn't Muslim. It had nothing to do with the founding of this nation. Nothing. Only one thing. Judeo-Christian truth. That's it. Man, okay. If I said that in a certain circle, I'd be stoned today. It's a fact. It is, it's even up for debate. It's a fact of history. So where are we at as a nation on this? Folks, there's a global move. And you need eyes wide open to understand it. Because if not, guess what happens? Our emotions override our faith. And when your emotions override your faith, what happens? Faith dies. And guess what happens? Is that we drift and we fall away and we absorb the progressive mentality right, of, of human, humanism that says... That's absolutely contrary right, to everything we, we believe in, right? I, you need to do your research. Don't get caught up in the media. Do your research. Find out the platform. Find out what people say, what they believe. And most of it today, unfortunately, is as about as anti-biblical as it gets across the board, right, on this stuff. But let's move on. Verse 10, and then many will fall away. Get this, they'll betray one another and they will hate one another. They will fall away and they will betray one another. Mm. Many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, lawlessness will be increased. Is that happening? And the love of many will grow cold. Wow. I, I, I don't think I have to say it to you, but is lawlessness increasing in our nation? Not only is it increasing, but it is being encouraged. You know that? It's, it's, it's just mind-blowing. But this is, again, what I'm trying to show you is this should not take you by surprise. This should not just... Make your emotions go crazy, like, oh my gosh, what's happening? No, we should say, wow, Lord, come Lord Jesus. Here it is. Lord, you said it. You said it as clear as you could right here. And folks, here's the deal. I'm falling away. I'm here to tell you is that when our emotions, they run and, and get ahead of our faith, is, is our love grows cold, right? And, and uh, it keeps us from being able to endure. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. 
the one who endures what? To the end will be saved. Did you hear that preached in your church growing up? Or did you hear that you walk the aisle, you go to camp, make a decision for Jesus, come down the front, make a decision for Jesus, and man, you got it. You know what? That can't be supported very little by what we see in Scripture is faith has to prove true. Those who endure to the end, Jesus says, they'll be saved. And realize churches is the, what God is concerned about is the quality of our faith. And, and the, my faith is not, uh, the, faith, uh, the quality of it is not revealed unless it's, unless it's tested. Unless I have to endure. Unless I'm pushed into a corner where I'm going to make a decision, am I going to please God or am I going to please man? What am I going to do? You know that we are on the fast track, that direction, where God's people in America and God's church is going to have to make very clear decisions. Am I going to please and do what you tell me, God? Or am I going to do what the world tells me to do? Or man tells me to do? And boy, we're seeing a drift right now on that, right? Man, listen to this. And, and oh, let me just say something about endurance, folks. I, I Gosh, um... If we live in a climate and culture where emotions, personal emotions, affirming personal emotions in the church is of a greater value than faith. We have a hard time even talking to each other about faith and how the scripture, how Jesus clearly talks about where is your faith. And when it comes to emotions, we have a climate, and folks, we have to make sure that this is not in the church Right is the only way that we can experience the fruit of the Spirit, which is where our emotions were created to be, is if I surrender my feelings and emotions to the gospel of Jesus and to trust Jesus with my whole heart. And unless that's, again, fleshed out in a loving, gracious avenue of, of church and Christian fellowship, right? Verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Wow! Folks, you realize how much detail is in there? So folks, this isn't a defeated church we're talking about here that Jesus is describing. This is a church under pressure that's persecuted, like the underground church in China, Iran. Again, I could take you to places in India where people are putting their lives on the line, making a stand for Jesus. Their Savior and Lord. He's, he's, the, he's, he's our treasure. The future's in, in, our future's in His hands. Our hope is in His hands, right? Folks, this is a profound, powerful church. It's happening, and it's, don't, don't miss the language. All nations, global, until, and the gospel of the kingdom, folks, is not the gospel most of us were taught. The gospel of the kingdom is much, much bigger than just the forgiveness of our sins. The gospel of the kingdom includes Jesus' whole cause and hope for this world, that he's going to return. Scripture's clear that Jesus is returning to this earth. He's renewing this earth. And the new Jerusalem is coming, heaven itself is coming back to this earth. And the nations are going to be restored, and those who are faithful will rule the nations and we'll get back to the garden where God's presence visibly is with us on this earth. We'll have work to do. But the church 
in the end that, that endures as a church that is on mission. And folks, I just say this about emotions, and then we're going to hear from y'all. <clears throat> is if I'm not clear about my purpose, guess what happens to my emotions? If I don't have clarity of purpose in my life, what happens to my emotions? In other words, the, I'm like James. I'm like the ways of the sea. I'm at the whim of whatever happened, my circumstances in life, if I'm not clear about what God has called me to. And folks, what he's called us to is clear. It's about get about his business of discipleship. Go make disciples of all nations, not just Aspen, Colorado. I have to have a global heart. doesn't mean I go there, but I need to pray there, and I need to be encouraged with others to have this burning passion. God, let your love, your, your grace be poured out among all people. Among all people. And to understand the Great Commission was very clear. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son. Immerse them in the glory of relationship with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Teach them all that I've taught you. Not just a little bit of theology. Teach them everything I taught you. And lo, I'll be with you forever, he says. Right? And so I just admonish you again here this morning. Who are your disciples? Are you on mission? Or is this time of uncertainty, is it, is it unrooted? Is it, are you trying to find purpose in it outside of God's purpose for you? And what that is? And so again, let me just wrap all this up, folks. How do we manage our emotions in troubling times? Man, watch over your heart, folks. Where's your heart? Where's your heart with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with your Heavenly Father? Where's your heart? I plead with you to step into a discipleship journey to learn to follow Jesus with all of your heart, to learn how to trust Him with all your heart. I can put that up there, but it doesn't happen outside of the context that Jesus gave for it to happen is discipleship in the context of Christian church, right? And finally, man, church, let's come together. Let's expect, let's pursue the fruit of the Spirit, right? For a, for a believer to be down, for a believer not to have joy, it, it, I'm not going to have a witness. If I'm walking around all down and depressed during these times, I'm not what letting my light shine. I'm not letting the Spirit of God move through me to others and show them the glory of God. And for if I'm not if I'm not loving, then boy, and if I'm not at peace, you know that right in this day and age, that should be the greatest thing, right, for people to see is, is the people, God's people, his church. Wow, such love there, such joy among those people in these times, such peace among those people, right? So let those be yours. So Derek, come on up, and I want to I'm gonna just open this time. I just felt, and I was praying this morning actually about this. I just was like, Lord, I need some of that fruit of the Spirit right now. Dang, it's been a rough week. I want the reality of that in my life, right? I want to experience that, Lord. And you promised that when your people gather together. And so, folks, just join me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us that His Spirit would pour that out on us this morning. And then what I ask of you, just as Derek leads us in this closing time, folks, that just, man, if the Lord, if you have a testimony to encourage us 
and how God has redeemed you, how he has changed, transformed your emotions to the fruit of the Spirit. Please come, bring an encouragement. Do right? you have anything? for? Remember, keep it short. And not political. Kingdom of God. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, God, this is a time your church needs to rise up, God. Lord, you, you've given so much in here, Lord, but so much of your church doesn't know your truth, doesn't know what's in there. And Lord, I love what your scripture says, that knowledge will increase in the end. Prophecies will increase in the end. Will, the church will be given, those who seek it, greater insight into what you're doing before you're coming. Lord, protect us, Father. In the name of Jesus, Lord, protect us from all the false things, Lord, that are, that are warring our emotions, warring after our hearts to get, to capture them, Lord. Let's watch over our hearts, Lord. Father, right now, I just pray, Lord, I need, I need these. Lord, we all need these. And by your grace, your mercy, Father, Lord, pour out your love. Lord, pour out your love this morning. Let your people know how much they are loved by you. And that if we know you, the scripture says no one can snatch us out of your hand. Lord, let joy rise among your people, especially in tough times, Lord. Let joy rise. Lord, let's be overjoyed as we gather together, small groups, bigger groups. Rejoice in your presence, Lord. Lord, peace. Oh, Lord, Jesus, let your peace rule in our hearts. Patience. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help me, Lord. Bring patience. Kindness. Lord, help me, God. Help us. Help us as a people in these times where, Lord, we are just not being kind to one another. Goodness. Lord, when we see so much bad, when we see even bad things encouraged, God, Lord, let your people just dig deep with the reservoir of goodness, Lord. Faithfulness. Lord. <laughs> Lord, you have your church in this trial. Who's going to be faithful? Who's going to honor you? Not any other voice, but honor you first and foremost. Gentleness. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, with that one. self-control God mm. it's your power and your power only that we can experience transformation God pour it out this morning God revive your church come Holy Spirit now Lord let us encourage each other as we wait upon you thank you Father just enjoy his presence and as the Lord leads.
come in and encourage us. And remember, you don't have to come to the mic to encourage someone. You can get up from your seat and you can go and you can bless them or you wait till after. This is the body of Christ. It's a family of God. We are the family of God. And we should treat each other that way. So come, let's, let's encourage each other. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.